Welcome to the IVF Before and After podcast, where we will talk about the emotional roller coaster journey we are about to embark on. Tune in to a series of podcasts on stories and tips to help you feel you are not alone on your fertility or parenting journey. We will openly discuss success and failure. We will attempt to pick you up when you are down and celebrate when your head's in the clouds. Kay Dempsey is your host. We can't wait to get started finding your way through IVF and parenting journey. Hello, thank you for coming back to IVF Before and After podcast. In episode 17, I was spoke to you about the silent retreat that I was on. And that episode spoke about what happens to our unhappiness, where we're everyone seeking peace and harmony because that is what we lack in our lives. And also how unhappiness fills the atmosphere around us so that we we come to contact with also become affected with our misery. So how are we to live harmoniously? I went on to and we found I found that very difficult at first because I couldn't see that I was miserable and I didn't understand in order to relieve the misery you had to have know what the cause of the problem was. And then also I went on to speak about the silent retreat was how to we start to generate the negativity. We create tension within ourselves and begin to see lots of obstacles in front of us. And also I went on to how can we stop this reaction if someone wants, if someone is unwanted, has unwanted happens and you start to react negatively, you can divert your emotions beginning to chant. But also on to speak about retreat and meditation and the path that I went I went down, which was I felt a universal remedy for a universal problem. I also wanted to speak to you about what it was going to do for me, the technique, and was it going to eradicate all my suffering? But mostly it was a noble silence, the part of the course, it was just a silence of your body, your speech and your mind. And this silence lasts for the eternity of the retreat and encourages the aspects of understanding that you're working in isolation. But I think you have to take from it that it's not the way that we live because we are social beings and a negative mind is a mental impurity and we start tying knots all around our life. But I wanted to, as I promised, to go back on to the retreat and really this is like part two, just to fill you in on my actual experience on that noble silence retreat. So what exactly is the Vipassana meditation? It was a clear awareness of exactly what is happening as it happens, plus a state in which the mind is brought to rest. It's focused only on one item and it's not allowed to wander. When this is done, a deep calm pervades the body and the mind in a state of tranquility, which must be experienced to be understood. With this meditation, you you choose your concentration as a tool by which your awareness chips away at the illusion that cuts you off from the living light of reality. It's actually, it's one of the oldest Buddhist meditation practices It's a gradual cultivation of mindfulness or awareness. It is attentive listening, mindful seeing and careful testing of you. It's to be a gentle meditation where we learn to smell 
acutely, to touch fully, and to be really pay attention to the changes that are taking place in all these experiences. So we have to learn to listen to our own thoughts without being caught up in them. The object is to learn to see the truth of impermanence, unsatisfactories, and selflessness of phenomena. We already think we are doing this, but this can be an illusion. In fact, we are paying so little attention to the ongoing surge of our own life experience that we might just as well be asleep. So simply, we are not paying enough attention to notice that we are not paying attention. Through the mindfulness process, we become aware that we are below the ego image. It's a wake-up call. Life has its ups and downs, good and bad. And you'll experience life in a totally different way. You will learn for the first time what is truly happening to you, around you and within you. It's a process of self-discovery where you observe your own experiences as they occur. You want to experience the true nature of your life. You want to know what it feels like to be alive, the true and deepest qualities of life and someone else's prejudices, theories, stereotypes and you want to accept their explanation. You want to see, you want to feel, you want to hear it yourself. You'll find yourself observing things objectively as they change and change. Life will then become full of riches which has to be experienced. So why is focusing so important? You're trying to develop awareness. The mind is tricky. We become trapped, wrapped up and stuck in the thought chain. One thought leads to another, which leads to another and another and another. We wake suddenly to find we're stuck in a daydream of fantasy or a set of worries about our bills or whatever. We use the breath as our focus. It serves as that vital reference point from where the mind wanders and is drawn back. One part of it I was taught that it's like taming wild elephants, which is an ancient Pali text which is likened to meditation. In the process of taming a wild elephant, the procedure is those days where to tie a newly captured animal to a post with a good strong rope. When you do this, the elephant's not happy, he screams and tramples and pulls against the rope for days. Finally, it does sink through the skull, but he can't get away and he settles down. At this point, you can begin to feed him and handle him with some measures of safety. Eventually, you can dispense with the rope and the post altogether and you can train your elephant for various tasks now that you have got a tamed elephant that can be put to useful work. I personally don't like that. It's not something that I would condone that a wild elephant has this done to it. I was speaking about the breath, so why is breathing? So the next question we need to address is why choose breathing as a primary object object of meditation? Why not something a bit more interesting? Answer to this is numerous. A useful object of meditation should be one that promotes mindfulness. It should be portable, easily available and cheap. It should also be something that will not embroil us in those states of mind from which we are trying to free ourselves, which is such as greed, anger and delusion. The monkey mind. This mind will wander, it will dart 
all over, it will flutter like a butterfly. You'll always have to learn to deal with the monkey mind and you need to push through it. It's a process of retraining the mind. You're aiming for is one in which you're totally aware of everything that's happening in your own perpetual universe, exactly how and when it's happening. So through this retreat, you commit yourself to staying for full 10 days. You you abide, you actually agree to abide by the five precepts, which are no killing, no stealing, no lying, no sexual conduct, and no intoxicants. You also have to leave your phone, pen and paper at the front desk. There's no writing, there's no talking, there's no eye contact. And there's no communicating. You are the prisoner of your own mind. They say that in life, worrying ahead is futile. Because what we are scared of never manifests. Instead, what you least expect creeps up behind you and scares you out of your mind. So why did I take this meditation retreat? You would say I signed up in a moment of quiet desperation. I didn't feel that 10 days of not having to speak to anyone be a hard. Actually, I looked forward to it. For the first time, I thought I was taking charge of my life. My mind was constantly distracted by everyday life, work, family, relationships, money, endless lists. And sometime or most of the time, I was in chronic pain having numerous CT, MRI scans, blood tests for autoimmune diseases, etc. I really had had enough. I needed a way out. I had tried everything except this. So why not? What do I have to lose? Only 10 days. But look at what I could gain. I saw the course as a glimmer of hope. I wanted my life to be what it was before pain or better. When I announced I was going on a course, family, friends commented on it being a religious sect. Are you now a Buddhist? I replied no to all and explained I'm going to retrain my mind, have the tools that I can carry with me to achieve what I want out of my life, to have my dreams. I will be cleansed, I will no longer suffer this horrific, horrid, chronic pain, my mind will no longer suffer and I will become a happier person. You will be taught not to react to the pain in your body as you meditate through it and let the breath go to the area of the pain. You refocus your mind on what is not failing you as you scan your body through meditation, you no longer react to the pain in your life. No more anger or emotions. If while you are meditating you feel pain, how you sit cross legs, you ignore and you use the power of your mind not to react. That's not to move, although inside of you is crying for you to move, you discard this and more through your pain. While on a retreat, your day starts at 4am, the bell is rung outside and you get out of the hard basic bed and move towards the communal toilets and showers. I always need a shower first thing in the morning as this helps with the pain. 
but they are locked and it's not your time to shower. That is controlled by the organiser. Deep breath, I get dressed and head out to the cold countryside where the mist is just rising off the grass in the fields ahead. There we had to wait until they decided when we could enter the Grand Hall. I could feel my body getting cold, albeit I was warm with a jacket, hat and gloves on, but my legs were getting cold. We entered into the vast hall of blue and white mats, all in rows, with beige throws for you to wrap around yourself. No chairs, no backrests. There was a stage which had two mats and a large speaker. At the side of the stage there was plumper mats with cushions and blue wraps. You find out that these are for the tutors. The, the room is divided down the middle. To the right the females, to the left the males. No eye contact, no communication. You're given a number and you go find your mat. Column B, row N, seat 1. It's all about to start. People are moving around in silence, trying hard not to make eye contact, which is hard when you need to move past or over that person to get to your mat. Then there's a horn that blasts above you. And you follow what the tutors are doing, sitting cross-legged on a mat, wrapping the beige wool throw over their shoulders, or the blue one, depending who they wear. They were tucking it under their bum. This helps you keep warm, as I soon learnt. You then see the tutor's eyes close, and out of the speaker comes a voice in Indian, and it's instructing you what to do. I didn't know what it was saying, but as the tutors are directly in front, I feel that they are breathing controlled in and out. I start my inhale and, and my exhale too. But my, way, my, my mind is off in a wander. What am I doing here at this moment? When do they tell you what to do? Because I couldn't understand it. You're actually not allowed to speak to the teacher during office hours. These are long hours that members start at 4am. At the break I went and asked, to speak to someone I was told I would have to wait and wait I did for hours upon hours. Then I got my meeting. I explained why I had attended in the first place and what my expectations were. I asked when we would be guided in meditation. The reply, you guide yourself, you work through the pain and do all we tell you. I was confused as they were not telling me anything other than to be dictated to when I could shower, when I could eat, when I could sleep and walk, meditate, drink. Due to my questions, the reply was, you're one of them. It won't help you here. As I walked away feeling like a child who had been to the headmaster's office, I looked at a lush basket of assorted fruits being carried to the head teacher's room or the head tutor's room of apples, oranges, melon, grapes and strawberries. It looked tasty as all I had that day was five prunes and porridge. 
It's another day and I've stayed. The days before are now a constant schedule. So the schedule was 4am wakened up by an outside bell. 4.30 to 6.30 you join the others in the Great Hall for meditation. It's 6.30 to 8 it's breakfast, which is tea, no milk, no sugar, porridge and prunes. I hate all three. At 8 to 11, meditation again. 11 to 12, it's the last hot meal of the day. It's vegetarian spaghetti. 12 to 1, it's question and answer session. And 1 to 5, again, you're meditating. 5 till 6 is a tea break and fruit, which was a hard pair. 6 to 7, you're meditating again. 7 to 8, it's a video on the Indian Guru. 8.15 to 9, it's meditation. And 9 to 9.30, it's questions only. 9.30, back to your room and lights out. Yes. It's true, there is no dinner. Yes, you do become hungry and you do become tired. Sitting for over two hours at a time in meditation is painful and the pain doesn't end when the meditation ends either. During the time, you do actually start to watch others with your eyes closed as tight as you possibly can so that they don't see you. You don't make any eye contact, but you do see them. You know zero about them, although one girl did tell me she was looking for a unicorn. Did I break my mind and piece the jigsaw back again? In short, no. Can't remember if it was the fourth or the fifth day I left. Why? It wasn't for me. I did not believe in what they were teaching that I had to work through the pain threshold until my body actually sh- shaked with relief. I had another meeting with the teachers as I was certainly not happy with the teachings that I could, could not understand what was being instructed to us in Indian. There was others around me that were so hungry and thirsty and weak and tired that they were, while they were sitting in meditation, they were collapsing onto the floor. They were left there some time later and then they were ushered out the room to wander the grounds wrapped in their blanket. To me, where is compassion, kindness, person's well-being looked after? Also while in meditation room, a sea of fog was drenched over us, over us from the ceiling with a distinctive smell. At this point during my meditation, there was a wolf in my mind that came to me and I knew it was time to leave. It was before lunch and as I said I requested another meeting. Now again, a few hours later I was allowed to meet and I was asked why do you want to leave? My initial reply, this type of meditation is not for me, it's of no benefit and I am wasting your time and my time. Their reply was, yes, we thought you would be leaving by now, but this time I am cold, I am hungry, I am sleep deprived and I am angry. 
and I told them what I really thought their programme was, that they are recruiting very vulnerable individuals who are treading through the treacle of life that have no sense of direction, who I was once one of them who wanted answers to the relief of the pain in my body, in my mind and in my soul. But what are you doing is bringing more dangerous sensations to the body. I emphasise to them that there are, are others who are collapsing and you're not caring about them and you're far from it. I requested to leave the next day and I offered to stay in my room. This was not permitted. I was to leave in less than an hour. I was to pack up my belongings and leave the compound, or should I say the prison. I agreed and requested my mobile phone. This was denied until I was packed. I went back to my room and made my bed as you had to take your own sheets and blankets and pillows, packed up my clothes. I changed back into my jeans and jumper and my cowboy boots and I went to go to the toilet and there was one of their volunteer workers locking the door and standing guard outside. I was not allowed to use the bathroom. I was escorted off but only then when I entered the meditation room as they did not want others to see that I was leaving. As I was waiting for my mobile phone and my purse, in the office the staff and the volunteers were sitting eating cream cakes, biscuits, while we had tea and hard pears or prunes and porridge. I left and phoned my husband, who was in Scotland. He travelled straight away to pick me up, and the strangest thing is that when we arrived the night before the meditation course, we booked into a farmhouse, a bed and breakfast, and when we arrived there, they had no booking for us. But that was not a problem. They had availability and we stayed the overnight with breakfast. On leaving the cottage, I lifted up their business card. So I phoned while I was left, stranded alone in a country lane, nowhere near a road. The proprietors of that being breakfast were absolutely wonderful. When I phoned, they knew who I was. They phoned a taxi for me and when it arrived, the driver said, you're glad you got out. Not many do, but I hear it's not good in there. He drove me back to the farm cottage where they were waiting for me with open arms. They gave me a ham hock and pickle sandwich and a red wine plus coffee. It tasted lovely because I hadn't eaten for days. They actually went up to their beds and they let me stay up and open the house for my husband to arrive. It was an experience, and not that I will forget, but it shows you how far I went to trying to clear my body of pain and hurt of not being able to conceive. On reflection, your mind distorts the reality you, that you perceive. Your project, your own fears on people's perception of you, Anger or fears are reactions to a reality that we have created in our own minds. Our mind is coloured by what we have known and the grudges that we hold. To train your brain, you need to put into a significant amount of effort. Believing that doing your best isn't good enough. There is no perfect and there is no right or wrong. So stop being stubborn 
with hindsight, obsessing over things, it exasperates the situation. Don't hold on to that fear and to the hate that you can't conceive. Because I did. And I went to the extremes which I thought would have rid me of the pain that I had. But it didn't. But it made me reflect. And I am here now today to be able to let you know what I've been through. You don't need to do it. Just follow my system and you will get there. Thank you for tuning in. I hope that was helpful to you. I hope that you can see the way through that what you think meditation is gentle can actually not be. That life is an illusion. We don't pay attention to ourselves enough. The true nature of life is to feel alive. Focus on what's important for you. Tame that monkey mind. And remember, you can become the prisoner of your own mind. And today, nope, I still can't eat prunes and porridge. Take care. Good night. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to IVF Before and After on iTunes or Stitcher and leave a review. Head over to the Facebook community page IVF Before and After or to the website www.ivfbeforeandafter.com for fantastic free stuff.